you ever feel like you're just gutting it out? Like you're just trying to get through the week, or just trying to get through the day, just trying to give yourself enough motivation to wake up and get to work and do your next right thing. I think many of us can live in those cycles. Now, today's podcast guest, Aaron McHugh, he talks about that cycle and he wrote a book called Fire Your Boss. Now, it's not what you think. It's not telling you to just quit your job tomorrow and travel to the other side of the earth, just leverage everything right now and make an irresponsible decision. But he is talking about meaning and fulfillment. Where are we designed for meaning in our work each day. And it may not be within your job, that's your nine to five. It may not be within your primary career. However, we have a vocation that I believe, Aaron believes, we believe at Stay Forth Designs that life design matters, that God has designed us on purpose with a purpose. And our theme verse, this cornerstone we always go back to is Ephesians 2.10, that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And so whenever we get the works before the workmanship, then we try to earn functionally God's love. We try to earn functionally people's love. We try to do things so that we will be loved. And we come to this podcast, we come to everything at Stay Forth, our coaching, our experiences, centered on this idea that we are already loved. We are not fighting for love. We are not fighting for identity. We already have it. And there's somebody out there listening who needs to hear that today. And so before we get to the interview, I just want to remind you that your work cannot earn you workmanship, that your impact cannot earn you identity. You've already got it. If you know Jesus, then you are God's kid. We are daughters and sons before we are servants. And friends, who we are matters more than what we do. But what we want to talk about today is how what we do can align with who we are. And you get to hear from somebody that's not telling you some tactics way out in the ether, way out at 30,000 feet. He's actually telling you at ground level how he came to a decision that who he was, he wanted deeply to align with what he does. And now he can look back in the rearview mirror and say, that is the life that he gets to live. And it's an incredible conversation. We're kindred spirits in many ways. Aaron McHugh calls himself a career liberator. He talks about that. He talks about freedom. What does that look like in the midst of this life that we can feel stuck? We can feel like we're in chains and we can honestly feel like some days we just want out of. How did I get underneath this burden of all of this time, all this work, all this provision that is needed to support this life? And I'm not even sure this is the good life to me. Guys, I'm going to ask you some hard questions in this podcast and a couple afterwards. But I want you to be thinking about what is the good life God has designed for you and your family in this season. You can't cheat off somebody else's paper. This is not the life God has designed somebody else for. This is not an Instagram dream. This is not some leader you've seen on a stage or a book that you've read. What is the life God has designed you for? This is a crucial question. He calls us to accountability. And I believe that his book in this interview is, is kind of a frontal attack on this. He's not mincing any words. He goes straight at this topic where we are accountable. How did we get to the place of feeling stuck? I believe this is a crucial message. 
Maybe for you, you feel stuck and you've been telling people that for a long time. Maybe you secretly feel stuck. You're not telling anybody. Maybe you're feeling some level of discouragement, frustration, and despair. I believe there's some keys in here that will not only keep you listening and keep you processing, but bring you back to the Father to actually ask some hard questions in this next season. If you know us at Stay Forth, we are about the hard questions, whether it's in coaching sessions with some incredible leaders or whether it's as a team asking questions, where is our culture going right now and how can we participate in the healing and the renewing of God that, that he's doing in this world at the moment or whether it's the kind of questions that I ask Aaron today. So enjoy this episode with Aaron McHugh, Career Liberator. Aaron, so great to have you on the podcast and uh, part of our Right Setup community. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, thanks, Alan. Stoked to be here, man. Man, kindred spirits. You got your outdoor gear on there. You are an adventurer in many ways. Uh, we're going to be talking about your book today, Fire Your Boss. And I will say, if you guys are coming on going, wait, what are we talking about here? It's not quite what you think, um, but honestly, absolutely loved uh, the book. It got me fired up. Couldn't read it before bed, man, because it got me excited. So many kindred <laughs> thoughts. Uh, and I, I just, I love the blatant frontal honesty that you come with that I think kind of jolts people um, into action. And I think out of a lot of lethargy um, and apathy, mm -hmm. Uh, subtitled discover work you love without quitting your job. Um, I love your title, by the way, maybe the favorite I've heard uh, recently, a career liberator. Tell me about that title. Like who gave you that? How did you land on that? How do you become a career liberator, Aaron? That's a good question. I, I, that's been a while. So I'll try and recall. Um, the root of that was, I was think I was having a conversation with a friend of mine out in LA and we were on the way, he invited me to come out surfing and we were driving down to the Baja um, Peninsula in Mexico. And he said, actually, dude, you know what, you know what you do is you help people liberate their careers mm. and you really help them begin to, and one of the things he challenged me on is he said, I've been through a lot of change myself in career, in life and um, burnouts and uh, tragedy and loss. And he said, you know what, so often people aren't, um, it's not what they're doing that's the problem. It's how they're doing it. And you that's help good. illuminate people to see that we can still, which is why the subtitle is without quitting your job, you could still be at the same place. And so take place as a mythology, like figurative place of like, wherever you are in season of life, wherever career you're in currently, whatever marriage you're in, whatever friends you have, like if you start designing from the place that you are today, but begin to evaluate and consider how you're doing what you're doing, the choices that you're making, the trade-offs that you're making, the accountability associated with that, and really prioritizing learning to lead yourself, then the upside is everything can be different. And you still make may need to make some changes, yep. but most people start at attempting to make a bunch of external changes, skip over and deprioritize the internal changes, and as a result, make some changes, find up find themselves in another place, and then find out that the same themes reoccur over there too. Mm. Yeah, you so you say this magic word design, right? So stay forth designs. There's a reason. Uh, yeah. that people get con us confused with the design agency. And we say, yes, we are, cool. but not like you think. Um, designing your life. I absolutely love that book. Kind of that life design piece. That's what I heard throughout 
the book. Before we kind of dig into design and the message, um, can you give us some bullet points of your story? How did you land here on this discontent and also being sort of liberated from your own career? Yeah, I'll just give you the keep it real version. And um, as you mentioned, the kind of provocative truth. So I won't give you any of the pretense. Um, I have been, I, I started an accidental career in sales some 25 years ago. And I thought I was going to be a guide like you and I talked offline. Like I thought I was going to be a mountain guide. Well, fast forward, it turns out I am a guide. It just looks a lot differently than yes. what I had intended. 100%. And so what I found was along the way, I'm married to the same woman that I love. We're knocking on 28 years upcoming. Uh, we have three kids. Um, one of our oldest is six years sober. But six years ago, it was a pretty terrible, mm. tremendously awful story that we were living in. Uh, I have a 20-year-old, uh, my youngest. She just turned 20 yesterday. And she's doing fabulous. And then we have a middle daughter who died and passed away 10 years ago um, as of January this year. And so I just found myself like these, I would use a metaphor of an iceberg of like above the waterline, the part you can see in an iceberg. My life has looked shiny a lot. And um, I do cool adventures or my career has gone really well for me or I rang the opening day trading bell, the London Stock Exchange for one of the companies I was an executive with. Or, but then below the waterline, you know, I have a kid who passes, and then I, I'm taking anxiety medication and depression medication, and telling my wife I'm not sure I can go to work tomorrow. So there's just been a lot of this. Um, uh, really, what I've found is, in the course of this, I've just become really curious about how we work as people. Mm. Um, I have a deep faith and believe that God's life is real and alive and available to us. And so, and I've always lived in a, um, what people would call like a secular setting in terms of business and culture. I've never been, uh, you know, in the ministry world, but always found that this convergence of being life-giving um, in places that, yeah, there's just, um, there's not a lot of life sustainable life. You made a reference to David Brooks, second mountain. And I really relate a lot with that. Like I've done a lot of cool stuff on the first mountain mm -hmm. and I found myself, um, yeah, exhausted and out of gas. So I had to start thinking about what might a second mountain life look like where I can live it sustainably. I'm engaged in impact and meaning and purpose in ways I believe in. And I'm making trade-offs and choices daily to really guard the asset of my own life and not deprioritizing me, um, but really prioritizing myself first so that I can be living out of an abundant place versus out of an exhausted and depleted place. Mm. So different from workplace culture today. And from, I mean, the staggering numbers, um, what'd you learn about workplace engagement as you did research for the book? Yeah, interesting. Um, both in the book and like I just got off a call where we're, uh, client work that we're doing right now is about sustainability, re resilience, um, personal well-being, how that affects corporate culture. Um, you know, a couple of things I learned started with one of my favorite books is Essentialism so by Greg good. McEwen. So and yeah, he has this chapter. It's called um, Protecting the Asset. 
And it was a story about burnout of another, another um, uh, CEO founder and that he had this line about learning to protect the asset and viewing himself as the asset. Mm-hmm. And that at the center of the story, career, family, friendships, whatever it is, finance, health is us at the middle. And this idea of if we don't learn to protect the asset, then everything else is flawed. It's eventually at risk. And that really was puzzling to me because I realized that uh, I had a very um, inverse relationship with how I viewed myself. And I viewed as long as I can take care of everyone else in that circle, then when all those needs are met, then I can pay attention to myself. And so I really started playing with that in, in a different way and then looking at science. And I think one of the challenges with burnout is unless you're at adrenal fatigue where it'll show up on a test, then all you have is um, symptomatic uh, experiences that don't show up on blood work or don't show up in a scan. But you can just say my feeling of my experience in my life is I'm not engaged. I'm not excited. I'm lacking passion. But those are not things that show up on a test. Those are things that are our, our experience of our life. And I think the challenge is until people began to actually just recently, they um, I'm trying to blank on the um, health service organization that named burned out as an actual medical condition, even though it doesn't have uh, things. Again, you can pick up on, on a uh, dose of blood. So I think what's happening and shifting now also is that more and more people are having a shared experience of fatigue, disengagement, lack of passion, and finding these bigger questions of, well, well, what do, what would change it? What could make things different? And also people feeling victims of their own life, of the life that they created by a series of obligations and choices. So what I find is really helpful is to offer some alternatives and some questions about, well, what would a life look like, work relationships look like that you would be engaged with? What would enable you to be engaged? Oh, well, I wouldn't spend 14 hours a day on Zoom. Okay. Well, how many would you spend? Well, I'd spend six. So then the people get really stuck on um, what they do today and what a better tomorrow would look like because it feels so impossible. Um, but back to your word design earlier, uh, long intention. Uh, long obedience in the same direction can actually change some things. That's good, man. Yeah. And it's not going to happen on accident. I mean, everything that I hear in the book, it's, it's a reevaluating. It's a asking the hard questions. And I don't think without the brutal facts, we get there. A question that we ask in coaching a lot, Aaron, is what is the good life for you in your family in this season? And we can look at somebody else's Insta life and go, oh, that's beautiful. Look at Aaron. You know, he's crossing glaciers in Alaska. And I'm in a work meeting on Monday that's brutal. You know, it's a beat down. And I'm like, glad he's got that life. But it doesn't happen on accident, right? Weeds grow in your yard and in your garden on accident. And yet, if it's well manicured, I could tell you that didn't get there on accident. Sure. And, and so I'm just hearing that level of intentionality. But the brutal facts, confronting the brutal facts there. Um, I'm curious, what would you say people are looking for in work? What are people looking for in work? Yeah, I believe that part of the human condition is that we're hardwired for our work to have meaning and purpose. And 
And that doesn't mean it may not be changed the planet. It may not, you may not, um, you know, work for a social justice organization. You may not. And I think where people get confused often is that um, they, I might be an engineer, I build bridges. And it can be very difficult to see what's the link between what I'm doing every day and how that I derive meaning and purpose from that. And I think where people um, struggle a lot is then additionally, then the environment in which they work, the people in which they work for or alongside or the customers that they serve, clients they serve, all of that can just be kind of in a subtle erosion over time of just feeling um, that the choices then become, well, I have this mortgage, I have these responsibilities, and I need this gig. So the only way for me to survive is to go ahead and ratchet down the volume on that desire for meaning, that desire for purpose, that desire for fulfillment, that desire for intimacy and connection. And so it's easier if I don't listen to it, or I pretend it doesn't exist, or I uh, pep talk myself into every Monday. And I thought what I found for me personally, just over time is, is those things are great. They worked for a while until they stopped working. And then I had to say like, Oh man, I, I was in sales for, for a really long time. And, uh, I mean, everything from software to radio ads and I loved it until one day I didn't. <laughs> and so then I had to contend with, well, well now what do I do? This worked. I was happy. I found fulfillment or meaning or purpose or connection, Mm -hmm. but right now I'm not. So what does that mean for me back to your question about season? And I think that the the, the heart of the story that I love to invite people into is learning to lead ourselves in a way where we didn't come with an operating manual, like individually, like the Alan Briggs operating manual isn't written. You couldn't like go get it you know, at the DMV or whatever, city hall. So Check you have boxes, to, man. How do I yeah. follow that plan? That'd be so easy, right? It'd be so much better, but it, there, it doesn't exist. So you have to become skillful at learning to write down your observations and your experiences, whether f- literally or figuratively. You have to pay attention. You have to learn how you can operate at your highest um, value contribution to your family, to your friends, to your community, to, to your career. And I think that, that that's a really inconvenient truth for a lot of people. They don't want, they don't want to do that. They just want other people to do A, B, and C so they can be happy. And the truth is, I think it's BS. Yep. I think the reality is that um, the sooner we learn to take ownership over our life, then the sooner we can begin to live forward in a way that's going to be life-giving but it takes a lot more accountability and responsibility than a lot of people want to take on. So good. You can't cheat off somebody else's paper on that. Yeah. And if you do I can learn from your life, absolutely. Yeah, I can borrow from the yep. chapters of your life, but the bottom line is it's me. And I'm, there's only one person with thumbprint like mine. So I got to figure out, you know, and again, my partnership with God, what is, how do I work? Yeah. How do I, how, what's the optimal for me in this season in my life? So good. Jim Collins talks about that in this amazing interview with Tim Ferriss, a couple hour interview, just studying yourself and going, man, when am I deeply fulfilled? 
When yes. am, am I just beat down? When am I discouraged, exhausted? Um, and I just want to encourage you guys to not miss that. If you're watching or listening, go back and listen to that because that is so important. Some of you, maybe many of you, are trying to figure out some checklist that doesn't exist. And maybe, it, like you say, it works for a while. And yet the first mountain is very different from the second. When you talk about meaning and legacy and fulfillment and all these sort of big words in that, you say happiness and contentment are an inside job. What do you mean by that? Yeah, it's really the, the thread of what we're talking about here is, I think so often for me in my life that I really viewed um, happiness and contentment as a result of a set of circumstances going a certain, you know, there was some like harmonious um, state I was seeking, um, you know, all my work um, taken care of, all my clients happy, my family well, you know, no chaos, no drama, uh, my 401k funded fully for the year, you know, whatever. <laughs> so I just had this kind of like checklist and I was always trying to get all of it um, lined up in a certain way. And then I could feel like, oh yeah, I, f- I feel the satisfaction of of, of being happy, of being joyful, of being content. And what I learned was like, wow, if I objectively really look at like, when is everything all a green light versus yellows and reds? It was, it was, it was a lot, but not enough to actually yield um, happiness, contentment. And a lot of that in my career was around you know, people that worked for me or people I worked for environments I worked in, I just found it really challenging. And I always had this kind of statement that, well, if the following would happen, if I could arrange for orchestrate influence the following, then I would be happy, content, fulfilled, engaged. And I'm like, that is a, that's a BS formula. Because it's always contend, it's always reliant on something external of me yeah. versus really looking at like, oh, what if, what if happiness, joy, contentment is actually starts centered in me and out of that place, I live and lead. Mm. And then all of a sudden, yes, it can be impacted by, and I think happiness is an emotion, whereas joy is actually a state of being. How can I learn to be joyful? How do I become the person who is joyful despite circumstances? That's not easy. And, and, and a lifelong um, adventure. It's not a once and done either. Yep. So I think, again, just learning to, you know, I just turned 49. And just looking at my life of, you know, what do I want to create as it relates to my career, my family, my friendships, my mm-hmm. adventure, Um, my finances, my health, all these things. And so it's really becoming uh, what I call like the CEO of my life. Mm. Like I'm not outsourcing any of that stuff to anybody else. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to take ownership over it in a way where I'm directing and influencing. And those things take decades to be at a place where you can actually have more green lights, but a lot of it you can make an influence on today. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I'm curious, you, you reference. Uh, the hero's journey and Joseph Campbell, how has your understanding of that impacted or influenced uh, designing your own life and leadership? Yeah, that's a great question, Alan. Thanks. What I love about the hero's journey is this idea of 
um, each of us wants to get from point A to point B. So let's just say the work I do today and the career I wish I had tomorrow or take another story. And the temptation is to believe that how do I just get from point A to point B as quick as possible with the least amount of change, friction, transformation as possible. And that's most how people apply you know, their life. And I think that's a lot of why business books sell really well, because they are very practical tactics. Fix if you employ these sense. tactics, you can get from point A to point B. And there's a really helpful stuff in there. Sure. Um, and the hero's journey is an alternative to transformation so that when you get to point B, which may end up being over here or over here in a different place than you originally intended, but you end up um, transformed. And so in the, you being the hero of your life, of, of the story that you're living in, and I mean that with a, a lowercase h, mm-hmm. um, but what, what to me is important is that below there's this really important part, point of choice that in order to go through this transformational journey, you have to let go and take a different path and try something new to explore and see what emerges. And the key is there might be blind spots. There may be things you don't see. There's a way I've always been in the world. The way, I've, the way I do one thing is the way I do everything. Well, for me in the past, that used to be intensity. How I solved everything was just intensity, bringing more intensity, whatever it is, to people, to endurance sports, to career. And it worked for a really long time. But then all of a sudden it was yielding fatigue, weariness, disengagement. So I had to look at like, how is that not serving me any longer? And then just like that iceberg too, is like below the waterline, down there where the dragons live, I had to really come to contend with what's that really about? Mm. That's good. Why? What have I learned about myself in life that I learned to navigate life in that way, Mm. but now it's no longer serving me or it's getting in my way as a liability? Yes. Yeah. More of what got you here isn't going to get you there. This idea of what do I do when I don't know what to do? And we talk about the difference between trying to level up, like what is a super Mario bros of a life? Yes. And then <laughs> disorientation where I'm oriented for this one thing. It worked. Now it doesn't work. I'm disoriented. And then now God inviting us into what does reorientation look like? Like where, where are we heading? What is the new, right? The second mountain, again, any of the language we want to use, Aaron, I love this, man. We could talk for hours. Maybe we will over a good cup of local Joe at some point. You say uh, meaningful work isn't going to fall from the sky into your lap. You're going to have to find it and create it. What do you say to the person who hates their job right now? <laughs> they want more meaning mm-hmm. at work. Is it time to quit? When's it time to quit? How do you know? Yeah. Um, Thank you for that. Where I would start is I'm sorry. Mm. I'm sorry that it's hard. I'm sorry that you're not bringing your best. You're not feeling seen. Um, Sorry that it's not an environment you feel you can thrive in or people that you feel alive with. And I just genuinely mean that it's just a place of incompassion of just, it sucks. It sucks to feel like that. Mm. Uh, I have been there and, and I shed a lot of tears 
over that feeling of just stuckness and obligation and as a provider for my family. Um, yeah, it's just really hard. Um, what I would also um, add to that is it can, it can be different. It, it's really cool. The opportunities we have in the world today. And one of the things that I found was that it's really important to get honest and earnest with ourselves around the choices that we have made that are influencing how we're feeling so stuck and begin to cultivate agency around those choices. For me, one of the things I looked at was I chose to live in a particular zip code. And in that zip code, there's certain pressures. There's like taxes that come with it. There's house prices. There's I know there's, that zip code uh, and I don't live there for a reason, Aaron. Yeah, there's, you know, there's there's cars that people drive. So it's like I made this choice. Mm. Um, there's a green lawn competition that goes on, you know, like so I chose this. Now that's contributing to my feeling stuck about I need to be at this kind of a job to earn this kind of a living, which then, you know, has a certain set of boundary conditions around it. Um, whereas if I did want to change jobs and earn a third as much as I do today and do something that's maybe more on purpose, well, then I have to make a bunch of other trade-offs. Am I willing to make those? Mm. But realize that my life has been a series of choices that I have made in response in, in noble ways to the circumstances that I was presented with, but that doesn't mean I have to stay on the path that I'm on. Mm. And my wife and I went as far as we sold everything we owned. We gave away everything that we couldn't sell. I ejected from a career. I took a leave of absence. We slept on people's couches and we reimagined what would life that we want to live and be engaged in, what would it look like? And it wasn't easy. It wasn't shiny. The Instagram feed wasn't pretty. <laughs> so I didn't post a lot. Um, but <laughs> yeah. it yielded some possibilities. So I would just encourage you that there are small steps you can take back to your question. And part of that starts with just taking inventory of how you got there and what a brighter tomorrow might look like. And what are some tiny steps and tiny experiments you can take? Can you take an online course? Can you volunteer on the weekends? Can you sell a bunch of shit you don't need? Yep. <laughs> Reduce yeah. your you know, need for necessity for income. Um, what can you do about the today you're in versus just feeling helpless and stuck? Mm. That's so good. I mean, control gets a bad rap a lot of times. I think in Christian culture, there's this thing of, you know, like, well, God's in control. Well, there's two buckets and there's God's bucket. And then there's yours. Guess what? You got to steward that and you've gotten yourself there. I loved um, in the book, you're bringing us back to both realization, self-awareness, but just accountability of like, I made that decision. So I don't want to miss that and move past that guys. These are decisions I've made, like whether I've created them or allowed them, I'm here. And there's some bit of control. Like you said, the weekends, what do you do in your evenings? I find a lot of people that are like, oh, I feel stuck. Uh, are probably watching six, 12, 20 hours of Netflix a week in that stuckness versus I yeah. could take control. What if you took whatever, four hours a week, like you said, and dug into some craft 
learn that over time, made incremental bets, you'd be in a completely different spot a few years from now. So I love that call back to accountability in a culture that absolutely hates accountability right now. It's like, yeah. oh man, it's everybody else's fault uh, for my life. And I've thought that before. It's so good to call myself to the carpet. Um, and so I love this book, even if it grinds a little bit like sandpaper, because I need it. So appreciate just your posture and the stories. You're, you're not asking us to do anything you haven't done yourself. You wrote this in your journal. I loved it. I want to align the work I do every day with the person I have become. How has that big statement become a rudder in your life? Oh, man, that's so good. Gives me goosebumps listening to it. You read it back to you me. You wrote it, man. So, I mean, you're you're the brilliant person that penned it. Yeah. I loved it. And actually, to your point, like that was really more of like a download I got from God that was, yeah, what if what if the big strategy of my life was how do I align the work I do every day with the person that I've become? And at first I felt really like bashful about that. Like, mm. boy, that really lacks like any kind of business school strategy. You know, there's no spreadsheet to go with that. There's like, who do you think you are? You know, imposter syndrome to enter in. So What's really fun is it's true today. So that that occurred probably about six years ago. And I'll just tell you a quick closing story and then bring you to today. So I was working for um, a software company and we were purchased by a venture capital group, a private equity group, actually. And um, it was my 10th merger and acquisition I'd been through in my career. And so I was like, man, I, I totally know how this goes. So I'll stick around and see what happens, but I kind of know how this will play out. And it was, do you want to do A, B, or C? And I said, you know, actually, I'm going to take, um, I just want to go. I just want to exit. And they're like, what? What, what are you going to go do? I'm like, I don't know, but it's going to be great. And I'm going to align the work I do every day with the person that I've become. And so I had this conversation with the CEO and he was really lovely about it and really perplexed, like, well, but again, what are you going to go do? I'm like, I don't know. So we, my wife and some friends had all said like, it's time. It's time for you to take a bet on yourself. I turned out I'd taken some risks in career, but not a lot. Um, but this was like a big risk. So we put, put it all on, you know, bet the farm. And um, I went into some training and I was writing, started writing the book. I signed a contract with the publisher and um, was living off of some savings and fumes and cobbled together work, got down to like 16, 1500 bucks in our checking account and kind of liquidated everything else that we could get access to. We'd sold our home. Like we, we went all in and it was like, I don't know, but I know this, if I, for me personally, this is not a prescription. If I don't try, I will always regret it. And I won't be able to look at myself in the mirror and I won't be able to feel confident that I'm living true to what I feel this season is asking of me in my partnership with God. So fast forward. Um, I do that every day. I work with executive teams and leadership teams and I have wilderness program experience, you know, where we have clients in wilderness. We have, I do private, some private coaching. I do groups. I mean, it, it's true. It happened. Now it take took a huge bet, but I felt led. I didn't, wasn't reckless. And I think that's a very big difference for a lot of men in their career. Yes. Sometimes they just do reckless stuff in response to pain. Yes. I didn't do anything reckless, 
but I did take some really big risks. And I'm grateful to say that in our partnership, I had done a lot of the work and God's favor was with me. Um, and it wasn't free and it wasn't easy. And today I can say not perfect, but I am living that as my life and my work in the world. Well, congrats. And, and I just, um, want to say that's inspiring. That's encouraging to many, uh, and guys, don't miss that phrase of recklessness. Often freedom is portrayed as just go do whatever you want, right? Quit your job tomorrow and, and you have obligations, you have agreements, you have mortgages, you have uh, people you've agreed to pay. And, and there could be more stuckness after that. And so people would think that I would advocate, oh, just go, you know, go for it. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're just looking at somebody else's Instagram feed, that does not tell the full story. So thanks for letting us into that process. Going all in is not as easy or free as it sounds, right? We tend to look back and go, look, it worked out for me, but that's a moment. Many of you are gripped with that fear. What what does it look like? And I'll just encourage you to get some wisdom around you, get some other people. I hear you saying, I talked to my wife, other people said, it's time for you to bet on you. And you leveraged things. You leveraged a lot of the, the skills, the attitudes, the behaviors, what you'd learned, second mountain things heading in, right? And kind of your early to mid forties, a beautiful story. Thanks for sharing that. Just wanted to end this interview with gratitude. What are some of the things you value right now that you get to experience right now that if you wouldn't have taken this jump, you would have never gotten to experience? Mm, That's a great question. Um, I honestly really value like food in the refrigerator. When I, when I go to open the refrigerator, I just, I pray and just thank God that there's heat in the furnace and food in the fridge. And it's not like we ever got that thin, but, um, I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful. I woke up this morning and heard birds singing. I'm really grateful for springtime. Like I love winter skied a ton and did fun backcountry stuff this winter and I love just, wow, that seasons change. And I think that's another thing just as a spiritual hope of, I love that seasons change. Nothing lasts forever. Um, and I love that, like the springtime green of new life is this line from the song I love of like, yeah, I love that. I want to celebrate that. And I really love that. Um, there's a book right now I'm really grateful for. It's called The Man Who Planted Trees. It's a little so um, parable. Yeah, so you know it. So I've really been thinking about my work and my life in those ways of just every day showing up, planting acorns. Mm. Uh, 20% of them have a chance of growing. 10% of those um, will actually influence the forest of my life mm. and the landscape I live in but I'm really grateful for my health in that as well of just, I'm 49. I'm, I'm a runner. I'm fit. Well, a dapper young just, man. Yeah. New life insurance, you know, to keep going just in case. So yeah, I really, gratitude is definitely, it's not just a practice to me. It's actually who I am and a way of being. So it's important. Thanks for the question. Yeah. Well, Aaron, grateful for you and for your life of alignment, you are now living in alignment. The who and the what. We talk so much about who you are matters more than what you do. But man, when those two align, that is a beautiful reality that you are 
living in. So thanks for your words. Uh, this little book baby did not happen on accident. So congrats uh, as well. Your book, Fire Your Boss, Discover Work You Love Without Quitting Your Job. Friends, there's gold in here. There's some paradigms in here. I warn you, it is honest. And you may have to take some accountability for your life if you're going to pick it up. It is not for the faint of heart, but man, I absolutely love it. So Aaron, thanks for the work and uh, can't wait to see you out on a glacier somewhere on your next adventure or uh, continued work that is deeply fulfilling coaching teams uh, and just continuing to live the good life for you in this season. So thanks for what you do, Aaron. Thanks for the, it's awesome. Thanks for having me. I started the episode with this question and I want to end it with this question. What is the good life for you and your family in this season? What is the life that God has designed you to live? One of the issues with our celebrity culture is that we're looking at other people to define what is right, what is real, what is the life that God has for me? And guys, it's not that easy. We all need to take this back to the Father. We need to have hard questions and conversations. Hopefully you have somebody around you you can have these conversations with. Grab a cup of coffee, get around a fire pit somewhere, have a meal, and ask serious questions. Maybe you've never done this before. And maybe you're just kind of following the trajectory that feels like that first mountain climb towards success. We want to invite you to a second mountain climb or ascent toward legacy. The life that God has designed you to live, the ways that you are wired to serve, and how God has designed you to leave an imprint and an impact on other people. Guys, we love the hard questions here at Stay Forth. We're going to continue to be up in your grill in the best way about these. But I promise, guys, we do this out of deep care and empathy because we know if you are trying to live and lead as God designed you, you are trying to do a hard thing. But let me remind you, it is a hard thing worth doing. If we can help you in any way from coaching to experiences to content, head on over to stayforth.com. At Stay Forth Designs, we want to help you get healthy, stay healthy, and reach the sustainable impact God has for you. Guys, thanks so much for listening. One of the most precious gifts you can give us is your time. And the fact that you've trusted us with some of your time is a huge, huge honor and a privilege. And we don't want to waste your time. We want to continue to bring you some awesome guests. Guys, we got some surprises here on the podcast coming up very soon. You'll hear about those. We also want to invite you over to the Right Side Up community on Facebook. We have some incredible leaders having some incredible conversations over there. Can't wait to see what comes next. We have some surprises over there for you as well. Friends, we're crazy. We are crazy enough to believe you can live and lead right side up for the long haul without losing your soul. Burnout does not have to be your destiny. We'll catch you on the next episode of the podcast. So long.